Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Alien vs. Predator Galaxy podcast, the original Alien and Predator podcast. Though I suppose we're leaning more on the Predator side at the minute, aren't we? It's been very yeah. heavily Predator lately. You were saying I'm predatored out, which those are words I never thought I'd hear come out of your mouth. So, Well, we've been on it a lot. <laughs> but this is Corporal Hicks, a.k.a. Aaron Percival, and joining me as always is... Adam Zeller, a.k.a. Ridgetop. From an entirely different background, but that's because we do these intros a little after the fact sometimes. Yep, I'm traveling. I'm currently in California, staying at a family's home. So yeah, I'm just on my laptop right now. I don't have my usual setup, but Aaron wanted me to record this little intro for a podcast we did. How long did we do this? Like two weeks, right? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Something like that. Okay. So we're here just to intro episode 154, which is, you've guessed it, another Predator episode. But while I may be a little bit predated out, I still actually fucking love doing these things. So we are once again talking to somebody who was involved in Prey, a film I'm very thankful for, very reinvigorating. Adam, who are we talking to? We are talking to Bennett Taylor, who played Raphael Atalini. It was a really good discussion. It was interesting hearing his thoughts on the previous iteration of the character, because he was aware of that, as you'll discover. But yeah, it's just a really fun guy, and I laughed a lot in the interview, so it was, it was a good one. Yeah. Hope you all enjoy listening. And it was cool to actually get to see somebody portray, you know, this character on the screen. And, and it was it was a fantastic opportunity to chat to him. So without any further ado, enjoy our recent interview with Bennett Taylor. So, Bennett, first of all, thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah. It's always a pleasure to get to speak to the folk who make these films that we enjoy so much, and especially somebody like yourself who's taken on an iconic, if mysterious, yet not well-known character, shall we say. We'll, we'll, get, into it. we'll get into it. I think you hit it right on the head. Uh, but before we dive into Predator and Prey, I just wanted to ask you about yourself outside of, of Raphael Adelini. You know, please tell our audience a little bit about Bennett Taylor. You know, who are you? What do you do? And what makes you tick? Okay, my name is Bennett Taylor. I collect Pokemon cards. This is my binder right here. I'm trying to go for a, a national deck, so that's just one of each type. Right, he's speaking your language, Aaron. I'm missing 35 cards right now. I mean, but other than Pokemon cards, I'm an actor. I act in uh, Vancouver here and I do auditions a lot. I'm a voice actor. Uh, I do voice acting whenever I can. But honestly, like acting is such a small, if you think about it, it's such a small part of if I think about it, because I'm me. Uh, It's such a small part of my life, right? Because I only get to really work at this point about like once or twice a year. So uh, the rest of the time, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much engaging with my hobbies and just doing like fun stuff that I enjoy, which is really nice. It's a beautiful... Living the dream there. Living the dream. Yeah, just like you, I'm engaging with my hobbies. And uh, yeah, I like, to, I like to make art out of trash. That's a big thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like the um, scrapyard, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. We also have a tradition on our podcast, which is to ask our guests, especially guests such as yourself, who are involved in this franchise, about the first time they ever experienced the Predator. Was it the film or did you come into the franchise through another way? I've always been kind of nervous to say this, but I've always been kind of afraid of like thriller movies. Like honestly, the first probably thriller movie I watched or like one that was a little bit more, I guess, horror action, I guess you'd say. Or What would you define as the, the remake of Judge Dredd? What genre would you call that? Hmm, that's a good question. It's like a detention, hardcore sort of action thing. Like isn't an action it, really? thriller. Maybe. Yeah, like a, yeah, action thriller. So that was like the that movie was like the first one I like forced myself to. Uh, I guess at the time endure. I've always been like very afraid of uh, anything horror esque, right? But um, that's been changing over the pandemic. I really tried to push myself and got into the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I tried to work my way up. And so when I when I landed this movie, I didn't have a, any experience at all watching any Predator anything. I know of the franchise, of course. And I, I kept it that way until the, the end of the movie. And then I was like, because I didn't want to be influenced by the other movies. I was influenced by the comic, the Raphael Adolini comic a little bit, because that was the only source material that. So you didn't watch Predator until after yeah. your work on Prey then. But you yeah. did read the comic. So the comic 1718 was your first well, I suppose technically Prey would be the first experience, really. Well, I guess, did you read the comic before shooting or? Yes, I did. Okay. Yes. 
So that that must have been interesting then. But then again, I, I guess I guess it's that much in popular culture now anyway that you probably knew, you know, the image, the shape, the design. Oh yeah, I knew everything about it. But the I guess my first time seeing the Predator was seeing the Predator, which is I I mean now that you mention it, that seems like a really cool thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well definitely. It's terrifying. Have you watched all of them since being in Prey or or just the just the first one? Oh actually I'm I'm lying. I actually watched half of AVP. I like kind of cheated while I was at the hotel and while we were shooting Prey <laughs> and I watched half of AVP and I was like, this is awesome. I really loved it. I really loved it. But I was like, I got to stop. I don't I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so I still haven't gone back and watched the half of that, but I would love to. It's a really cool movie. Like, I don't know. And you just feel like must have been even cooler, like watching it in theaters. But like for me, it's nostalgic, like just the outfits, like the costumes. Yeah, early 2000s. Predator 2 yet or not yet? No, not yet. Just just the first one. Your character's got some significance in that you one. You have a journey ahead of you. I will. I watched the last scene. I watched the flintlock scene uh, for context. Well, well what, what, did, what did you think of Predator when you actually got around to watching it then? I was very surprised because I watched Prey first, then I watched Predator. And there is some really cool moments. Like it's very dated in terms of you know, the action. And there's a lot of like, you can imagine what people thought was cool in the 80s, what nowadays kind of seems a little like strange. For example, they're always like, just like, like a cool thing to do is just to like, just shoot in a direction and just destroy (laughs) everything in your path. And so there's lots of shots of them just like, you know, just mowing down the the jungle. And for me, I'm like, well, what are they doing that? They're not actually hitting anything. You you can tell it's like a Dragon Ball Z sort of thing where they just kind of shoot in in a direction. You're like, oh, that didn't hit anything or he's gonna walk out of the smoker so that was super interesting but the coolest moment is the the showdown with arnold and the predator is just you can't not get excited just when they're they're one-on-oneing like that and predator takes off his like armor and uh like kind of takes them on one-on-one that is a really cool moment that i think it's gonna stand the test of time what do you guys think of that moment? What? How did you feel when you first saw the first Predator? And when did you see it? I'm just I mean, curious. it left an impression for us, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I saw it in my late teens. You might have seen it a little earlier than I did, Aaron. But yeah. I think around I think around 10 or 11 was when I first saw it, yeah. And I still remember watching it on a grainy-ass VHS, on a VHS player that was older than I was, that my dad still had and was working. But yeah, man, that showdown, I think, will forever stay as one of those iconic pieces of cinema because on a technical level, you know, it's constructed so damn well. And Stan Winston's work on that jungle hunter suit you know he still looks so lifelike he still looks so real and just the, the entire way that that sequence is structured is, is brilliant though to be fair it does have the only complaint i really have about the film in it and that is the sound effects of the punches oh very uh thwack yeah like fully artists punches. yes yeah that, that is literally the only thing i would whine about in that film but what is one minor piece of complaint in a otherwise classic piece of cinema I think for me, it's the laugh that really took me out of it. I was like, yeah, where did he get that laugh from? You mean the Predator's laugh, right? Yeah, the Predator's yeah, laugh. Like oh, it starts oh. as like an alien laugh and then it's just like an evil villain laugh kind of. It sounds very human. It's, it's supposed yeah. to be Billy. He's imitating Billy laughing at the um, really the pussy joke. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He is. Huh. Uh-huh. I can't believe you've never thought, never no, realized I thought that, they I always did their mimicry just through like their their technology and stuff no that's billy man that's sunny latham but fair enough that makes sense that makes sense well we 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 need to get you on those other films that you 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 can you can stop at the predator but at least give predator 2 and predators a watch yeah i think i might as well watch it all and avp since you were liking it already yeah I, i like to defend that one aaron's not as big of a fan the shane black one was actually filmed in vancouver here and I heard so many strange stories about it while I was on set on Prey. There's so many like just stories of um, them purchasing things and then never using them and just, yeah, it being a hard set to work on. Do you think they should release the Shane Black cut? Oh, for sure. Out of morbid curiosity. Yeah. Well, just because there was also so much work that ADI did that was cut from the film. Like when we had the suit actors on for, for that movie, they were like, we saw the movie. It wasn't the one that we made. And I think I talked to someone who had seen a test screening of before they reshot the, the third act of the movie. And he said he thought it was better. So, yeah, I would love oh. to see that cut. But also the second AVP movie shot in Vancouver as well. So there have been three. That's right. Yeah. Shot in Vancouver. Requiem. Yeah. But you, you've 
already mentioned that you were aware of 1718. You know, the the, the one yeah. source that was this exploration of uh, Raphael Adley. Oh, damn, he's got the... Uh, this is the coolest thing. Not even one of the reprints. Nice. For our listeners, Bennett's showing off his bagged and boarded comic of the original Dark Horse Presents. It's 1718. It's an original one? It's I not so, isn't it? a reprint? Oh, Decade of Dark Horse. It may be a reprint. It's still awesome, so... I think it's so cool. I read it online initially, and then I was like, I got to get this comic. So I, I did a trade with a fan, actually. I traded a signed photo for the comic because they had an extra one. That's a good trade. No, that, that is the original. It, it was published as part of a decade of Dark Horse. So like celebrating their first decade, that yeah. comic was part of it. Yeah, okay. And, you know, that's such an iconic piece of Predator lore, I guess. So you you read that before you started filming, you said? Yes, yes. And then I acquired this through a trade. Shout out Matt Broyles. And uh, yeah, I read it before filming and I was like, oh my God, how, what am I going to take from this comic and, and try to put into the piece? And it was a lot of pressure knowing that like the fans already kind of had an idea of what this character was. And I was like, seemingly from what the, what the script I've received, he's very different. This is kind of a different interpretation. And I was like, uh, I hope they don't feel like it's like a Wolverine uh, Origins Deadpool situation. But I, I think there is still just like Wolverine Origins Deadpool. There is still an opportunity to per- perhaps have this story at some point. Maybe we could <laughs> maybe we could get that going at some point. It would be interesting. And honestly, I was like reading the comic again. I was like, oh, this seems like pretty doable, like in terms of like fan films. I was like, all you need is just like a beach and like a jungle, one predator and a bunch of pirates, maybe some CG for the boat in the distance. And fan films have got that sophisticated yeah. these yeah. days that, you know, it's... Have you seen Dark Age? No. Yeah, it's like a medieval predator fan film. I just saw it for my first time recently, Aaron, and I thought, "What? Yeah, it took me long enough, right? But it's good. It's well worth watching." Yeah, well, I'll have to, I'll have to link you to that. Yeah, it's it's, it's medieval knights and uh, the predator. But yeah, you know, there there is precedence for stuff like that. So that that'd be really cool. There's a there's a group out in Scotland that does all that. That does a bunch of stuff like that. Isn't that Alistair, right? I think he's yeah, he's part of it. And then there's the UK Predators as well. And yeah, there's loads of costuming groups. It's awesome. That's awesome. There's such a good resource that the fan films are actually using, and quite rightfully so. So this um this medieval version, like when when did that when did that come out? I'm just curious. So 2015. Well, it's still, still probably like I don't know. For some reason, I was thinking like early early 2000s, but I'm imagining now it must look pretty clean. Yeah, it looks genuinely good. Oh, that's awesome. I feel like, um, you know, now that we saw the Predator in the 1700s, I, th- I think we, where, where else, what other timelines can we see him? So where, what, what timelines would you guys like, or like time periods, would you like to see the Predator? Well, yeah, that's, that's been what's so cool about Prey, right? Is it's unlocked that thing that we as fans have wanted to see for so long. Like there's been a lot of stories. There was a Predator anthology book that had a lot of stories in the past. Like one was in feudal Japan. One was in the old West. There is, there is a feudal Japan comic. It's just short story. Short story. Yeah. But that's been one of the things like there's been a lot of fan art after praise come out. And that's been one of the things that's kept coming up was, was samurai Japan, you know, but Aaron, yeah, that's something you speak to a lot. Also, it's just the versatility of predator. And so yeah, old West, I mean, it's, it's, you could literally pop him anywhere. Like I, I would love to see World War One, which there has been comics of World War One, and I think there was some. Um, I think it might have been in the, the anthology as well. But I would just, I think that would make an incredible theatrical experience as well. Or World War Two, you know, just just olden day World War kind of intensity with the Predator. I think could be a real ride. I think that'd be super cool. Yeah, I think like yeah, Arthurian times, like medieval. This medieval project is interesting. I want to check that out. Feudal Japan, ancient Egypt could be cool. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, Cleopatra. Yeah, there's that Egyptian-themed Predator and Nightstorm a little bit before her. But yeah, ancient Egypt just has such a cool aesthetic. I think for me personally, like Old West or South America, like do an AVP film that shows like the Predators ruling over in South America and, and the aliens with that. Yeah, or the Aztecs there. Yeah. They generally go where it's hot, right? So it has to be somewhere with a warmer climate, right? Well, Antarctica in the first one so all right they they have, they have different suits in that one they, they have they're much more armored but to like, be fair that is that is a complaint i've never really understood about the film because if it's supposed to be a challenge you know a, a coming of age kind of thing why not send them where they're not comfortable you know it would just up the ante and that's the idea i guess hey Ah. I mean, that, that's the way I've always viewed it, and I, I've never really agreed with that complaint. They seem to be pretty, 
pretty OP in that, you know, <laughs> they have no trouble. But so so I, I'm curious to what you guys thought of the Predator in this film, because, you know, we see the AVP Predators. They're supposed to be kind of like younglings, right? Or who are coming of age through the ceremony. But what do you feel like this Predator and Prey, like, what do you think their standing is in, in the group? I mean, there, there is a, a theory that he is likewise a younger Predator, which I can kind of see because I see similarities between him and the Predator from Predator 2. And the City Hunter in Predator 2 was intended to be a younger, brasher Predator than we saw in the first film. You know, I see a lot of similarities in the sort of way they do their combat. So I can completely be aboard uh, Feral being younger. And there's um, people have also read into it that he is on a, a hunting journey that mirrors Naru's as well. So she's learning to be a hunter and the film's showing him learning along the same path. I don't think I necessarily agree with that one so much as it's him just working his way up the food chain. So I'm, I'm not I'm not that sold on that reading of, of the of, of the feral predator, but I can I can get aboard on him being a younger one as well, just just for the brashful nature of of how he just gets stuck in there and, and cracks on with it. Yeah, I thought he was a great predator. You know, I really love the the design of this one. I think ADI just did a fantastic job with the the look of the predator, but also Dane did such a great job, which is the movements of this predator. And you you put it nicely in your review, Aaron, where you said like he brought grace and, and intelligence, as weird as that is for a character who's nicknamed Feral. So yeah, it was an interesting balance of this predator. It's very brash and beastly, but also kind of elegant too, in a way, as kind of a juxtaposition with that. So I, I just thought this Predator was so cool and, and so interesting. But yeah, as far as far as his character goes, it's there's an element of mystery about him too, because he has this, first of all, he looks quite uh, not, well, he looks different to an extent than we've typically seen. And some of the concept designers have, have spoke about why he looks different. But yeah, it just adds that mystery, even his bone mask, like, well, mm. that was a trophy of his. Where did he get that? Yeah, and what skull is that also? I, I thought Feral was just, just a great predator. That mask as well is easily one of my favorite masks of any of the movie Predators. Yeah. It's just brilliant. It's super cool. They did it with magnets. It was really cool to because when he takes it on and off, it just kind of like sticks on there very perfectly. It was always cool to see. And you got to see him before like almost anybody. Like th this was the first Predator movie since... Well, probably not Predator 2, but there were no leaks for this one. Like with the Predator and Predators, we saw the Predators really? leaked from sets. But really? this one, nobody saw anything until that first trailer. Damn, I could I guess I could have I could have leaked it, eh? I, I agree with you guys. I think he was um I think it was really cool. The Predator the movement was um I think unlike any Predator, at least after watching the first one and a bit of AVP, um, like the movement is quite different. I feel like it's a lot Elegant is a good word to to put Dane's performance like very like honest, like creature like I think the creature work was really good. It felt like less of a guy and more of like a beast. And I also agree with you, Aaron. I think he was a, a younger one trying to prove himself and like the lack of armor. I think in the other franchises, we see the Predator still in armor, but the lack of armor and maybe even the lack of like gear, like he has the shoulder cannon. He has the shield on his, what other weapons does he have? So he had the shield, the spear gun, the net. The cut clan. He, he had a few weapons, but very minimal armor, which I don't just, know. Just, just that thousand pack. That was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I almost love to imagine that this predator was like, yo, I'm going to go out to this planet. I don't even know what it is. No armor with uh, five weapons, and I'm going to own and show, come back to my planet, uh, to the mothership, and everyone's going to be so stoked how great I am. <laughs> like he was really like, you know, I'm going to really do something here. So in terms of in terms of 1718 then you know did you take anything from it in what you took to pray so I tried like Dan Trachtenberg I found was a very he's unlike any director I've ever met it felt like I was working on an indie film where it was like my buddy who was running the show and he directed like there wasn't a hundred person crew doing all everything and that we had as much time as possible and so that was that was super strange for me I was almost like worried for him I was like are we wasting time are we because first on the scene the scene where I give Amber the gun and, and I'm teaching her how to I'm teaching Naru how to use the gun this was like the scene that I've been waiting for I was so excited for it and it was completely different in the script 
the script we had, it was something akin to like, she gives me water, maybe like vaguely teach her something about the gun. And like, I, it was kind of like we were at a standstill and there was less like, um, like it's like almost Raphael hadn't given up, like trying to be enemies with this person. But so like when we had to shoot the scene, me and Dan and, and Amber were just standing in a circle here. The whole crew was surrounding us. And Dan's like, well, how do you want to do this? And he was like looking at me like I was supposed to tell him what we were supposed to do. And for me, it was just you tell me what to do. You're the director. And Amber's like, well, I think, you know, as the lead, she has a lot more um, ability to, to say what she wanted for the character. So she was giving her ideas. And Dan was like, well, no, no, no. I think he has to teach her how to use the gun. So he looks at me, he's like, so however you want to teach her how to use the gun, we'll do that. Can we bring the armor out here? So he brings the armor, the armor teaches me how to do the flintlock pistol. And he's like, okay, let's cut for lunch and we'll come back and shoot this. So I'm like, okay, he wants me to teach her how to use the gun. I don't have any lines for that. Pressure's on. Like I felt so much pressure in that moment. So I went back to my trailer and I just wrote like a scene or like a, a list of instructions, basically, of how to use the gun step by step, right? what you see in the movie because it all made it in which was insane to me and i was working with a dialect coach i didn't have that i just had to go free whatever came out of my mouth was what it was going to be and so i'm in the van going with amber to set and i'm like okay i wrote this uh script she's like oh yeah what is it and i'm like okay uh you can say something here here and here she's like okay let's do it and i so we did and she's like that seems good i was like okay so then we go to set i've got my script here you know i'm looking at it i've written it on the side of the real script and the, the script supervisor goes over my shoulder and, <laughs> and takes a picture of it. And I was like, okay, this is real. This is <laughs> so crazy. And it was even crazier to see when I watched the movie that she kept, she said, not too much, not too little, putting the powder in the gun. So all to say that the thing I wanted to bring, the thing, the one thing I asked Dan for, I was like, Dan, it would be really cool. Like in this moment, where we were all talking. It'd be really cool if I could say, take it to her and give her the gun, because that's what happens in, in this comic with Greyback. So I really wanted that to happen. And he was like, he was like, uh, yeah, sure. You, you can do it. I think we've got that. Originally, she was, she said that as she gives it to Warchief, she said, take it, but they didn't make the cut. Unfortunately, I did do it on the day, but it did not make the cut. Uh, that would have been cool though. So this footage of you doing the take it. Yeah. So that didn't make the cut, but I tried. I really tried. I really tried to bring as much as I could. Something we're always fascinated to hear about as well is the casting experience for the actors. Can you tell us a little about that? Were you aware it was a Predator film when you were auditioning? So I got the script and it was very vague, but from the context clues, I could tell it was Predator. And it did make me feel, now looking back on it now, I, I think I'm glad I didn't watch Predator because I probably would have freaked out if I had watched the other movies. I would have been like, this is crazy and huge. But I was... I was like, oh, it's Predator. Okay. Which allowed me to do, like, I committed quite hard to the scene. I was going through a really tough time. Like, at the time, my grandmother had passed away. I was, I had a mustache just out of depression. And I was like, I'm not even sure about acting. Like, throughout the pandemic, I hadn't booked anything. And I was feeling kind of, like, down about the whole thing. I was like, I don't even know if, like, does anybody really want to cast me? And my my look had changed. My hair had grown during the pandemic. I, like, I was looking completely different. And then I watched... A lot of people don't like this movie, but the Han Solo movie, I watched it and I was like, oh, that would be really cool to be in a movie like that. Yeah, we just did the audition right over there. It worked out. I remember my agent called me and she was like, "You, uh, I have good news and bad news. She says, I have good news. You booked the role, but the bad news is you're going to be in Calgary for three months. And I guess like pe some people in Vancouver have an attitude about Calgary, which is like a province over that it's kind of like a boring place. But it actually was really great. It was a great experience. Do you remember what your audition scene was? My audition scene was the scene with where she's in the cage and I'm translating. So in that scene used to be the thing they changed of it that was originally there was I was translating. The, the character had to speak both English and French. So I did the scene two times, once in English, once in French. And I did, I think one of the reasons I booked the role was because I tried to do my French with an Italian accent. And I also did the character in an Italian accent. And I don't, from what Dan said, I don't think a lot of people tried to do that. But I was like very... I did all the research about the lore and I was like, he's Italian. I've got to do a French Italian accent. So I, I figured out what that accent sounded like. It didn't sound like perfect, but it was it was what it was. It was like the idea of what it could be. 
Yeah, so it was the scene in the cage. So what was that experience like with the, the languages and accents anyway? Because it can't be easy doing a, an accent that's not your own while reading dialogue from another language. And, and then like with the Comanche dub as well, did, I assume you came back and did your lines yeah. for that one. So what what was that experience like with all the languages and the accents on the production? Yeah, I had a I had a dialect coach helping me with the accents. I don't know if you know the director Roberto Benigni. He did like Life is Beautiful. It's the movie about the Holocaust camp. It's in during the Holocaust and it's Roberto Benigni and his son and it's a story of like his dad makes it like a game. Like they're in this this camp and he makes it a game and he's he kind of plays it off like it's a uh No, you haven't seen this? It's really good. I think I've heard of it now that you're describing it, but I don't think I've seen it yet. His accent is very vivacious and like big and that was just my my go-to. So I would just always be like, "Say un bonsoir aujourd'hui, tout le temps on parle français comme ça parce que Roberto Benigni parle français comme ça." Donc that's kind of like how he would do it because he also speaks French. So I was just doing that the whole time. One thing I found was like kind of tough. I was like, I don't know if that's going to read for this character. Like he seems like very like not vivacious and not excited and kind of like in in the can we swear on this podcast? Yes, we we do plenty. Oh, he's in the shit, you know. He's just like <laughs> covered in gunk and his legs chopped off and everything sucks. So he's probably pretty uh but I tried to find moments of light and stuff like that. Did you do the Comanche dialogue yeah, as well? Yeah, the Comanche dialogue. I'd love to talk about that. It was really hard. But also I think Comanche is a... There's like a silent vowel in Comanche. So it's like, it's it's hard to wrap my mind around as an English English speaker. But there's a lot of um, a lot of parts of Comanche that are intuitive, I guess, to English. But then there's lots of parts that are like very, very strange. I went back and listened to my Comanche dub recently and I was like, oh... <sighs> I don't think it was that great. But there there is one specific part that I was like, oh, this is good. Like I could tell it was near the end of the session, <laughs> the end of the dubbing session that I started to get the hang of it. But near the beginning, I'm like, oh, this is not so good. I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I don't know if I'm super proud of this, but it was fun. And everybody was very complimentary at the time. They were all very nice about it. But uh, I luckily had some help. Like there was a speaker on the phone that could tell me if I was saying it right or wrong. So can you, you actually speak French then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Italian? Uh, Duolingo amount of t- Italian. <laughs> can you do take it in Italian or French? Prendre la fusée. Very nice. <laughs> Probablement c'est comme ça. <laughs> take it, I don't know in Italian. But I was doing like, at the time I was like practicing Italian in the hotel. It was honestly a really lonely time at, at, at a bunch of parts of the experience. I was in a hotel for three months. Because of all the COVID precautions. Yeah, there lots of stuff came out. We, we got tested. Like one of the things that we would do together as a group would be go get tested for COVID. So every two or three days, we meet at the, um, we call it the chopper because of Predator, of course. And we meet at the van and we go into the town. It was usually me and the other trapper guys and we would go get tested and it was be, it'd be fun. I don't know if you've seen my test. Testing montage, you should check it out. I did a, a montage of every single time I got tested on the project. I made a lot of good friends like through the project, but yeah, there's a lot of downtime. A lot of time you're just kind of by yourself. You know, what am I going to do? So you got to make plans or else you're going to be go stir crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Especially we had a quarantine. And I know Dane, for what Dane did in quarantine, he would at 3 a.m., leave his hotel room and he would go down the stairs in like this very s- secret staircase. That's off the side. He would do 30 stairs down and then 30 stairs back up on the other side, crawling like an animal as training on all fours. I was like, that's the first time I met him. He told me this. He's like, yeah, I just around uh, 2 or 3 a.m. I go and do the stairs and I crawl up the stairs. So if you hear anything, don't worry. It's just yeah. <laughs> I think he said there was an idea at some point that Farrell would crawl on all fours. Yeah. Yeah. He mentioned he mentioned something like that. Really? Yeah. So speaking of things that you could do in your uh, in your downtime, you know, I know a lot of actors tend to come up with background for the characters to inform their performances. Mm-hmm. Even if that information is not conveyed on the screen, you know, did mm-hmm. did you develop anything for Raphael? Yeah. Like why is an Italian with French trappers for a start? Did did you yeah. did you think about all this? Yeah, definitely my idea of him was he came from Italy to find adventure in the new world, right? And he got this gun. He was given this gun by his grandfather, who was a gunsmith. It was very exciting. 
You know, he came to the new world with a promise to, you know, explore and, and he did manage to explore and he was able to stay with the Comanche tribe. That's why he understands Comanche. But the tribe was killed by the trappers, like a separate tribe from the Comanche tribe that we see. And he was taken. He's not on the same level as the trappers that he's with. I always felt that even with the like as soon as we were acting in the trapper group, I felt the vibe that Raphael was definitely like lower class than the uh, other trappers, especially because he doesn't he's not a native speaker. And his only real use is to for the other trapper guys is to translate. He's not a good fighter. It's almost like a hostage them. Yeah. Okay. So I'm kind of like uh, I'm stuck with these guys. They're mistreating people. I can't really do anything about it. Otherwise, I'm going to get killed. So I tried to like really help Naru in my scene with her. I'm like, I'm really trying to help you. Like, I'm just trying to get information so that you don't get killed because that would be terrible. And I don't want to get killed either. So this is what I have to do. And yeah, he's very desperate, very desperate and very stuck, I found. Yeah, I think that even though he doesn't really have the heroic portrayal that he does in the comics, I mean, he's not overtly villainous like we see with the French fur trappers. So in your kind of interpretation of your own character, do you feel, I guess it is kind of an obvious yes, that that he was disapproving of the trappers taking Naru and Tabe as hostages? I really think so, yeah. I was really pushing for that. I was really hoping for that. But also, he's he's not like he is unfortunately part of the whole group. And he is still kind of out for to save himself. He's not heroic, but he's uh, he doesn't like it. But yeah, the, the trappers are pretty trash. I don't know if you understood the French that they're saying. It's just the grossest stuff. <laughs> yeah, we did read. Someone posted a translation of it in our forums of all the different lines. I don't. There's Troy. Troy pulls big beard aside. He's like, on peut toujours utiliser. Do you remember? that line yeah it's like well maybe we'll use her or something i was like yeah gross <laughs> and he improvised that it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a line in the script he's like fully in character troy <laughs> oh he's great something we're always curious about as well is you know that first experience walking on the set do you remember your first scene it's funny guys i was barely on set I was on set for about, I was there for three months in Calgary. I spent about maybe three weeks total on set, like total. It felt like that. So a lot of it was just being on standby. Yeah. A lot of it was on standby and just doing the same two or three scenes over and over being like, okay, I got it. There's a big moment. I'm going to make, uh, like, as soon as I'm called, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to really make a good job. My first time on set probably was, my first time on set was the gun where I'm holding the gun and, and breathing and being like, okay, I got to shoot um, the predator. It's like kind of like the probably the one heroic moment Raphael has, and it really doesn't work out for him. And he's, I don't know if you caught that. That's where his leg gets cut off. Yeah. It's kind of in the background. I, yeah. I saw it in a rewatch because it's like a really intense shot on him with the pistol behind the tree and he's getting ready to turn. And then he's almost like in the background when the predator throws yeah. that thing. So it, it was kind of an odd one cut to another with there. Yeah. They, they definitely were like prioritizing the cool stuff that he that Dane was doing in the front like my experience was every time I came out he was doing the just crazy choreography with all these stunt guys and I just kind of shot and then ran the other way that day they uh on the call sheet I saw like a Raphael stunt I was like oh cool I get a stunt guy there's gonna be some stunt involved and I get to set and I'm like where's the stunt guy there's nobody who looks like me and then the the stunt coordinator is like okay Bennett we're gonna have you uh like land on those pads over there <laughs> so I'm like okay we, we start doing the, the stunt I'm running he's like okay bang you get your leg chopped off so I fall into the pads and he's like okay I'm gonna change your run he would change the run according to what it needed and then suddenly I was running and I did about six takes where I was just like missing the pads each time I'm going past the pads and bang I have to fall and I'm just like <laughs> crashing on the ground and I'm like should I say something I don't know this is my thought I was like I'm gonna slow down production if I have if I have these greens people they have to dig up the pads and then move it and after the third take I was like I can't do this anymore so I was like uh, hey can you move the pads I felt really bad but later on the other trapper guys were like no you should definitely should have done that because if you get injured it's gonna slow down stuff so I'm glad I did that but yeah it was definitely tough <laughs> and you don't even see the stunt you don't really even see it you kind of see me go down a little bit but each time I was like hitting the ground giving it plenty of commitment to the fall yeah, I was doing my best. He was like, really? <laughs> Just imagine your legs getting chopped out from under you. Really go for it. I was like, okay, okay. So speaking about when you finally make it to set, what was it like seeing the fully costumed Predator for the first time? Terrifying. And they make him wet. Do you know that? Spray him down, right? 
constantly getting them moist. I would be like lying on the ground trying to be inconspicuous and they'd be like moistening him and all this water would be falling on me. It was kind of nice. And he's just terrifying. The animatronics are going. Pretty much the predator is as you see him in the in the movie in real life. So it wasn't very hard acting work to feel scared of that. He was pretty terrifying. And I was I was pretty terrified. <laughs> I, I worked myself up and I was pretty terrified. And yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible what they do. And also he had to step on me. And that's not when he steps on my leg because that's like a fake leg. But there's a part that didn't get into the, the film where... Ding does his downward Wolverine claw thing, stabbing me. And then Dan Trachtenberg was like, his claws get stuck in the ground. Okay, so you got to really pull it out. So, you know, step on Bennett's chest and then just... uh, uh, uh." So Dane would put his foot like on my chest and then go... And then he was like, yeah, Bennett, just really like, you know, push up on Dane's foot. (laughs) And having Dane's foot on my chest was was like, I was really trusting him to not crush my my ribs. Dane's like 300 pounds. And uh, so that was scary. That was probably one of the scariest moments. I was like, okay, I'm really trusting you, Dane. Do not kill me. At one point, he stepped on my fingers because he, he can't really see. His vision is very limited. But otherwise, there was no issues. No lost legs. No lost legs. <laughs> and tell us a bit about your experience working with that prosthetic. Like, what was it trying to perform as if you were missing a good portion of your leg? Yeah, it was, it was really cool. I, a lot of the time, I'm like, I'm like sat on my leg. They dug a little crevice in the ground and my, my legs in it. And then they have a little prosthetic on the knee with like a little pump pumping the blood. It was really cool experience, but my leg would fall asleep a lot and I had to get up and kind of shake it off. I was there for like definitely a few hours. And then at one point they had one leg is out and then the other leg is dug into a hole. And then I have a whole fake leg for the predator to step on. So that was crazy. I've never had anything that intense, probably wound that intense in acting. And didn't you have fake teeth as well? Yes, I had. That was a whole other issue. I had to act with the fake teeth. And the accent and the foreign language. That was very, very difficult. I I just basically in my hotel room had to spend a lot of time just going over the lines with the teeth until you could just speak normally with the teeth. Yeah, you have to like adapt your mouth. Do they get glued in or are you literally just... No, they're they're literally like this uh, all the time. Like that. Very creepy. So other than that really awesome souvenir, was there anything else you took from set? Yeah, I took the leaf with the blood on it. So that was pretty cool. Uh, The one that you show Naru with. When she's in the cage. Yeah, I took the leaf. I took my chair back, which was pretty cool. I still don't know what I'm going to do with that. And then uh, I took my teeth, pretty much. That was all I could really take. No, No leg or pistol. I really wanted the pistol so bad. I wanted the pistol so bad. The props guy was like, he had this whole story of how he acquired these pistols because you probably know about that. It's Dan X, right? From a fan, yeah. Yeah, it was from a fan. And then also he was able to acquire a bunch from like a, a Disney Imagineer who had four. So he had five. I was like, so, hey, could I like get my hands on the pistol? And he was like, uh, he was like, talk to me after the show. But I can't remember his name. And I know it would probably be about $600, probably $600, $700, probably to buy one, buy one from him. Buy one in general, it's like, I don't know, $1,000, $2,000. Yeah, that would have been a, a great souvenir. But the, the leaf sounds cool. He had a budget of 2500 to acquire the pistols. Let's talk shooting that pistol. I mean, you, you got some hands-on time shooting flamelocks, didn't you? Unless I'm yeah. mistaken. No, that was you, wasn't it? So, yes. Tell us about that. You know, had you fired conventional firearms beforehand? No. Oh, yes. Yes. I shot a desert eagle at a lake. No, 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 no. It wasn't a desert eagle. It was a it was like a 22. I fired a 22 at a lake. So it was definitely not like that. It's two explosions, if you can imagine that. So you pull back the thing and it hits the thing. This explodes. Then the secondary explosion happens in the chamber and it sends out the fire. The first time I did it, it was really, really cool. It shot like a giant fireball out of the thing, which wasn't supposed to happen. And they were like, oh, probably we got to put a little bit less. So then, yeah, we we pretty much only got to try them, try the pistols like in a field, like before shooting. Yeah, I didn't get to do it on the day. The time I was supposed to fire it was when I was running and shooting. But the armor was like, yeah, that's not a good idea because you're going to when you fall, you're going to like land on the pistol. It's going to hit you in the head. So you didn't want me to do it. Stunt pistol for that bit. Yeah, it was like a rubber version. Right. Okay. So all the flintlock weaponry, were they like actually firing blank rounds then or? Yes. So the scene where all of them are in a line shooting, that was really cool. I got to watch that. It was really cool. It was like, it was incredible to watch. Yeah. I wanted to just be the gunpowder in that bit. 
to make that work. Yeah, so they have um they have a little bit of black powder on the where it hits, and then the flint hits the black powder, and then they have black powder in the center, and then they have a bit of paper towel that shoots out the air. Oh, uh, okay. I remember Mike Patterson, who plays Big Beard, telling me that one time one of the guns that fired off and his head was right here, and it just kind of like like a bunch of smoke blew off in his face. Oh man. And yeah, he was pretty not stoked about that. But otherwise, like the armors on this production were pretty, pretty great. There was a whole day I got to talk to these guys and they're telling me all about like the stuff, like how to avoid accidents happening. It was great. They were super professional. They knew a lot. Yeah. But the gun itself was, I remember holding and just being like, oh, this is so beautiful. It's so cool to see. I'm like, I felt so blessed to be able to hold it. Yeah, it must have been pretty awesome. Do either of you guys have one? No, I actually looked on Etsy. I was like, is there a replica Predator 2 flintlock pistol? Because that would look pretty cool on my wall, too. I've been looking, but nothing that looks good enough yet that I would that I would want. We both have replica pulse rifles, so, you know, wrong franchise. Damn! Still cool weaponry. I'd love to get one of those flintlocks, but yeah, they're hard to get hold of. I have seen someone did make the, the bolt gun. They 3D printed the, the Feral's bolt gun that he has on his back, so that's tempting. Whoa. Yeah, that bullet gun's pretty cool too, with the the floating yeah nail. That's sweet. Yeah, I believe it'd be fair to say a significant portion of your screen time was spent opposite Amber Mid Thunder and Dane Delegro. Yeah, what was it like working alongside those two? With Dane, he's tireless. He's a very tireless actor. He would just do take after take after take in the suit and. I think when a normal person, someone without his drive and, uh, I don't know, stubbornness, hardcore attitude would probably been like exhausted and hot inside of that thing. But he just uh, was able to like sustainably do it for like quite a long time. It was impressive. I had to do some when I was doing my crawling and stuff like that was probably the hardest scene that me and me and Dane had to do together. It was really tough, especially for him. He had to do a bunch of stuff with like picking up the blood, looking at the blood and then following the trail and the walking. They had to time it with the camera. I had to crawl in a certain direction. I had to flip in a certain direction, flip over on my back. They wanted me to flip over a certain shoulder. If I forgot, if I did the other shoulder, it would mess up the take. We did about 15 to 17 times. And I remember seeing Dane afterwards. He was just depressed. He had felt like he had like really slowed down the day. But if there were so many moving parts to a scene like that, like what are you going to do? Amber, one of my big scenes with Amber, she was exposed to COVID. So I was pretty sad about that. Somebody had exposed her to COVID. She had to six day quarantine. And so the big scene with me and her in the cage, I remember Dan looking over at me. He's like, today's the Bennett show. We're going to do all your coverage. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to be able to act with Amber. And so I did my best. But then as soon as Amber did show and we shot her coverage, I was like, oh, it feels so much like the scene feels so much better with her here. Like there's completely more layers. And they, I don't know if they did shoot parts of me then, but I mean, what you see in the final piece, I was pretty happy with. So I was like, okay, it didn't turn out that bad. But I remember when Amber showed up, I was like, oh, this is so much more. There's so much more of like a connection here. She was great to work with and she was a super good scene partner. Uh, when we were doing the gun scene, her character was pretty much a brick wall in in terms of like trust i guess trusting a trapper naturally naturally it made sense for the character it was really cool it was really cool working with her she's great and so is dane so t tell us about your first time experiencing the complete film did you get to see one of the you know the cinema showings were you at the comic con i went to see prey in montreal on the august 4th and it was crazy i went there and it was it was mike's mike patterson who plays Big Beard screening. And I, I dressed up, everybody was dressed up in cosplay. I dressed up as Mario and I showed up. Uh, and, that's uh, what those pictures are from. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember leaving the theater and all my family were there. They were all, all my family in Montreal were there and they were all very stoked about, they were all very happy and congratulating me. I remember walking out of the theater and I remember hearing people in front of me say like, it's really too bad what happened to that guy. You know, he got his leg chopped off. You know, <laughs> He kind of seemed like a nice guy. I remember being like, wow, this is so surreal. But otherwise, nobody, no, nobody other than my family recognized me. So it was kind of fun. I was like, this is kind of cool. Like nobody knows that I did this. It was kind of, I felt like anonymous in a nice way. That sounds like a fun screening. And you enjoyed the film? Yeah, I was so stoked. 
I was also very like um the whole time I was stressed. It's a it's a very stressful film. Like there's a lot of like I hadn't even seen. I've of course read the script, but I hadn't seen, and it changed a lot. Like the script, the script had a bunch of parts in it that didn't make it onto the screen. Uh, for better or for worse, there was a bunch more stuff with the tribe, like a bunch more characters in the tribe that we get to know with the war chief. Yeah, with the war chief's son and stuff like that, and all that stuff didn't make the cut. But still, I think. They really focused on the the main story, which was the most important thing, the story between Amber and the Predator. And I was like, honestly, I think this just makes it so much easier to digest, you know, like, because it's just one story. There's no B storyline. Yeah, it's a very focused, very focused, streamlined, not easier to digest, more like focused, streamlined experience. So so they cut they cut all the stuff that wasn't important, I think, to her journey. So. Other than what we've talked about before, what's your party story from your time on Prey? That one story that you keep end up retelling about playing Raphael Adelini. There's so many stories from this production, but one thing that was super cool was I got to like, I told you I was there for three weeks working on this approximately probably the amount of time. I spent about a week of it just dead, like on my back dead for continuity. I had to be on set to lie there on my back dead because once I once I get killed, a bunch of stuff happens in that area. So there's the whole showdown with the horse. You know, there's the whole showdown with the like the horse, Dakota on the horse and Dakota getting killed by the predator. And when Dakota was killed by the predator, I was on the ground there in the scene. I got to be there and, and look up as he was lifted on the on the crane. I don't know why I was there because I, d- I definitely didn't you don't see me. But when Dakota gets stabbed, he drops his bow. And he dropped his bow right on my face. And so there was a few takes like that. So that was crazy. I got to spend a week just lying dead. It was it was amazing. I didn't have to do anything. I played Mario Kart all week with my friends, like me and the other the stand-ins, my friend River and my friend Dallas. We'd all just play Mario Kart and hang out and just eat crafty. And I would I would be, <laughs> okay, Bennett, we need you on set. I'd be like, okay. Time to lay on the ground. Lay, time to lay on the ground. And I got to see a lot of the movie that I probably wouldn't have gotten to see, like Dakota's big death scene. Yeah. And Dakota had never acted before in his life. It was his first time. So nuts. He just did such a good job. He did. Yeah, he did such an incredible job i was so impressed especially he just i think he was just able to sink into the character super well like he just committed very hard and he was an incredible guy also a great country music singer if you like country music and he would always be playing in the stairwell Uh, he would be playing his music but i hadn't watched him act up until that point and he was just so committed i got to watch him go around on the horse they had like this jeep with a crane on it it was crazy so lying there dead probably was the coolest like some of the coolest times because I could really I wasn't focused on what I was doing or what I what I had to do. It was just like I just get to be here and enjoy shooting the movie and just really watch everything that's happening and get to know Amber and get to know all the people who are involved in it. And before we wrap up, we also have a question from a member of our online community or member Creighton asks on a scale from one to a million. How much did you enjoy giving the feral predator a hug? I think it's safe to say that that one picture has kind of gone a little viral online. Yeah, Creighton. Thanks, Creighton, for your question. Yeah, I remember when I did that, I feel like I felt like I was doing something wrong. <laughs> like I definitely <laughs> felt like Dan was very, very gracious. He was always like, uh, oh, you want a picture? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I want a picture. And <laughs> he would he stayed in the suit for that photo, which was also so great just because I know that can be uncomfortable. So I definitely hugged him and and then I was just like, oh, I don't know if this is the right thing. Whatever, we're already here. We're just going to do this. Yeah. And so I, I took a few pictures like that, honestly. Every time I, after that, I was like, okay, I'm just going to, every single time I get to take a photo with the predator, I'm going to hug him. I made for a great picture. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a wonder. I'm so glad I did that. I do love some of the memes that have come out of the behind the scenes stills as well. Yeah. That, yeah. that one, that one of Dane in the, uh, in the suit with his head in his hands that's become a bit of his own thing yeah he's holding up his head so that's just not weighing on his neck poor guy dang but that is actually everything yeah guys this has been so fun before we let you play dead and try and escape us is there anything you'd like to share any thought or, or anecdote that we just haven't given you the opportunity to with any of our questions 
Well, I just want to share that I really enjoyed this interview. It's super great. Like, it's nice to meet you guys. And like, it's really cool to like, honestly nerd out about this stuff because I guess I, I don't have a lot of people who are super into this franchise in my life. So it's cool to be able to like, you know, talk to you guys and, and be able to share the passion for the franchise. And I feel like I owe it to you guys now to watch the rest of the franchise as well. I don't have that pressure in my real life. So I'm like, let's 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 do this we got to do this now yeah thanks thanks so much for joining us and yeah it's always great to to talk to anyone who's involved with with these movies that we love and glad you've gotten introduced to it and here's hoping we see you in a fan film too maybe a different uh, version of adelini that would be really cool really cool guys i was just gonna say i admiring your guys collections i'm really proud of you guys i just want to say i'm proud of you guys and all the like the cool spaces you guys have made for yourself i think that's really awesome you know don't don't let it get too out of control but it's looking real clean right now it's like looking real organized and clean but i hope you get the pieces in your collection that you're looking for and i hope you get some more guests on of course that are part of this this amazing franchise you know thank you well we do have some more lined up for people wondering there's a recording we we haven't released it yet but we spoke to dan trachtenberg the director so if you're listening to this and you haven't heard dan's interview go back and uh, check out dan and uh, there's a few others we've got in a net ready for this we've done more interviews for this movie i think than we've done any of the other films any yeah. Yeah, it's just been so cool how well received this movie's been just among not only the fans, but just people who weren't really into Predator before seem to just really like this movie and the critics like it's it's really unusual. I think you get a movie that's very pleasing to fans, critics and just general audiences. And and this movie hit all those marks. And I really hope that it allows you guys to have some more content to watch and, and some more like if we have another movie, you know, I imagine all the guests that'll come for that and then more and then you'll the empire will grow. Yeah, that is the hope. Is there any social outlets you want to uh, signpost people to if they want to come and uh, bother you? Yeah, please check out my YouTube channel, Ben Tayman on YouTube. I open Pokemon cards. I have about two to three more Pokemon cards uh, openings to edit, and I will do that. And then once I once I do those three, there's no more Pokemon stuff ever again. You know what it is with collection, collecting. You got to stop at some point. And you're on Twitter as well? Plug on my socials, Twitter, Facebook, you know, follow me on Instagram, follow me on, uh, follow me on Be Real. What's up? Follow me on Snapchat, Pineapple Boy with one P, B-O-I. Thank you everybody for watching or listening. This has been Aaron Percival. And Adam Zeller. And Bennett Taylor. Make sure to get to the chopper. <laughs> That's great. <laughs>